Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hi, I'm Louis from London and you're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, how many different pubs do you think you've been to in your whole life? Okay, here comes the show and remember, question everything. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast with myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor, Dame Baptiste, my co-host and producer friend, Howard Cohen, a.k.a. The Hizzle. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked, and we are talking everything from... We are talking everything from Louis from London's question, how many different pubs have you been to in your life uh, as a comedian, Dane? Yes, yeah. it's in the thousands. I yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. First of all, I think it's a very uh, light way of checking somebody's affinity with British culture. But um, yeah, Louis, as a stand-up comedian, uh, and I think there's what thirty-two boroughs in London alone. So yeah. I've probably been to at least one pub in every borough in the city, uh, or maybe two, just due to doing open mic and through various uh, levels of my career and. Essentially, the comedy circuit in the UK revolves around pub culture. So, yeah, as Howard has correctly pointed out, Dane's been loads. to all. Dane's I've, probably, been to I've, I've been to a lot of pubs, even many where I was not welcome. So, my favourite pub is behind the station, the Holborn station in London. But that's just not that interesting, really. But most people don't know it's there. It's called the Ship. Probably ruined it for everyone now because loads of people will go. Uh, or, or I'm not that. Or, I mean, uh, Howard, you're speaking, you're, you're kind of downplaying our, our listenership, but... Uh, well, more yeah. just my influence that, over people's yeah, that's pub recommendations. That's so. Howard's favourite pub, but yeah. have you been, how many different pubs have you been to, Howard, would you say? 80. Uh, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But an interesting question in some respects. Uh, listen, listen, on this show, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dave? Absolutely. No question is too big, too small, or too public, or even if you have your own domestic-based questions, like a beer brand, they are all welcome. And if you do like the show, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Also, we'd like to ask that you subscribe to our Patreon, where we are providing additional content in our upcoming new season of Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, and in order to support this podcast so we can pay our bills. And... Also, uh, you can subscribe to us on Patreon to ensure that you will never miss an episode because we are building up episodes all the time. We can hear our very special questions being asked and answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a comedian, writer and Twitch star. He was nominated for Best Newcomer at the Edinburgh Fringe in 2016 and won the Hackney Empire New Act Award in the same year. He has had roles in sitcoms such as Catastrophe and Sick of It and has also created and performed a stand-up special for BBC Radio 4. He has developed a huge following on Twitch where he streams an improvised interactive comedy show, Hot Pepsi Football Manager, in which he plays an unhinged English football manager uh, going through the motions of trying to put a team together <laughs> in this crazy, crazy industry we call football. Please welcome to the show, Mr. Bilal Zafar. Hey. 
Hey. How's it going? <laughs> Thanks good, for having man. me. Good, how man. Good, man. How was the biog, Bilal? Excited. Oh, it was good. It was good. It was a lot. It's weird, isn't it? Because I've heard that in uh, a lot of people have said this, that in America, if you do a gig, they read out all of your credits before you go on. I've never done that yeah. before, but it's. All, I think British people get a bit embarrassed. So it's, it's yeah. kind of weird hearing it. I tell you what, if Dane started doing it like uh, people do at the beginning of a boxing match or a wrestling match, like <laughs> yeah. really building it up, that might be good. Should we try yeah, that week, Dane? <laughs> yeah, I think I think I will. I think we're planning to kind of like as we uh, the, the podcast evolves and we are uh, like a web series. I would definitely in an ideal world have a studio where I would definitely be doing the uh, let's get ready for discussions kind yeah. of intro as well. But I think, but like, I get it, it can be cringe as, as a British person. You're not really supposed to preface things by because you kind of I guess the proof is in the pudding. But I think if someone else reads it out then it's fine as well. And uh, also, I think we always, I think it's important for us to uh, be reminded of our achievements because, you know, yeah. in, when, you're in a, in, when you're in the midst of it, you haven't really got time to reflect on it. So we always You know cry. what? You're yeah. right. Something I do is when I, you know, it's very, you can have lots of ups and downs in comedy. Yes. Uh, when we get towards the end of the year, I try and do a little list of like 10 things professionally that I was proud of doing. Yeah, right. which really helps because what happened with me was I had 2016 where, like you mentioned, I got this newcomer thing and won this competition. Then the year after was so much quieter, you know, yeah, and it right. feels bad. Like even though things are overall good when you're being promised, like everyone's talking about you, like you're going to get a TV show or whatever, and then it doesn't happen. It, it feels awful. So, yeah, you do have to remind yourself. That it, really, it really does. And I think it's important as well to remind yourself. And it's also especially I think that's a very important uh practice that you do because nowadays your uh phone will definitely tell you lies and definitely try to reduce your achievements as well because you'll look at the highlight reels of your peers and contemporaries and be like i didn't go to the bahamas after performing <laughs> i'm a fucking failure what the <laughs> fuck so yeah i think it's you are to both absolutely not failures but you still have more to do and m more places to go with your work so that's the best bit of it isn't it whereas some people it's like yep this is all done uh, I've got nothing left to say. Uh, that yeah. is not the case. That, the, the, that being said, Howard, it's, I think it's also relative as well because uh, I, th I, I think I might speak for Bilal myself and that when you start off doing comedy, the goal is I can just do comedy and this is actually a thing that I can do. And mm -hmm. then the second best thing ever is that someone paid me to do this shit. That's amazing. So I didn't know about the existence of, you know, Best Newcomer and any of these plaudits. So yeah, never feel like just because you have a quiet, yeah, as you know, there's ebb mm -hmm. and flow. But, it's uh, mad, isn't it? I didn't yeah. know about that either until like the last week of the fringe when people started saying I might <laughs> get it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and now I can't go up to the fringe without thinking of these things. Like no one wants to admit it, but everyone's thinking about winning best show. Oh, know, of course. Apart from if the awards don't exist because they can't get any funding for them. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see what happens. Um, it's time for a question, Dane, as the format of this show dictates. Absolutely. Bilal's our very esteemed guest. We'd like to invite you to ask the first question, which can be any question you like about any topic you like, which Howard and I would like to maybe discuss for about 15 minutes and some change. And then Howard has a question he would like to ask you to discuss for the same amount of time. And then keeping with the comedy rule of three, I would like to pose a question to you so uh, we could discuss that. And if we've got time left, we'd love for you to tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your great upcoming work, past, present and future. How's that sound? Oh, perfect. Yeah. Nice um, yeah. So uh, I um, something I struggle with a lot is because I do so much stuff 
like like you and a lot of comedians, or a lot of creative people, I guess, because um, I do stand up, Twitch stuff, I audition for things. It's like it's it feels like it's nonstop, like every day I'm working, um, and I get burnt out quite badly occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ask how how's best to deal with that because I don't really know. Just when you'd say burnout, just yeah. because some people will not get burnout in their life uh, for good and for bad reason. Um, what, what, what does it equate to for you when you feel that burnout? Uh, for me, it's absolutely knackered, basically. It's like I wake up one morning and it's like I'm jet lagged, even though I've had mm. enough sleep and I can't really do anything. feel kind of depressed. Like I, I think I think I've got like depression. But then I realized, I oh, know I've not rested for like four months, basically. So that's what it is for me. I think that's generally what it is for people when I've looked it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, feel hopeless. Do, yeah. do, do you, I've got a few questions before we dive in, because I know Dane's going to have had this experience too. Do you equate a lot of it to sleep? And is sometimes your workload damaging your sleep because it's stressing you out? Definitely definitely but it's i find it very hard to get enough sleep when i've got loads on because if you've got if i've got an early start for something important i'm not sleeping well yeah. even if i try and go to bed early and then i'm it's, most it's, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's, a, it's a weird it's a weird adjustment yeah because yeah. i'm also i think that as a creative particularly beginning with comedy i'm also a, a nocturnal species mm. by myself most productive you know towards the end of the day and uh, like you said, even when you are have an audition or maybe an early record or just maybe you're on a flight to perform somewhere else, you are making that adjustment to your normal body clock is mm-hmm. difficult as it is. And if you're obviously flying to a different time, time zone, yeah. that can make it even more difficult as well. And uh, and then also, even if it's something good, the excitement will keep you up. Or if you want to be worried about making a good performance, the anxiety can keep you up. So, yep. yeah, definitely yeah. can relate. All of those things. And also when you do an amazing, when you, when you do, uh, when you've had a great gig, um, how do you sleep after that? Yeah. The You're adrenaline absolutely as well. buzzing. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Adrenaline's there as well. So it's, um, it's it can really be very hard. tough. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, all of the uh, states you are describing are probably one of the reasons why people turn to uh, external substances in order mm. to help themselves. So, you know, if you're someone you, who is frequently traveling, uh, between time zones or working then people might take uh some uh sleeping pills um whereas some people might use stimulants in order to keep going so i think it's a very important uh state of being to identify early on before you try to look to external ways of remedying that so mm. and, and me, let me let yeah. me tell you Bilal, add fucking add children into this mix mm. And you're just going to go to another level in terms of the, the you know, all those lions. That I know you yeah. comedians fucking love. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Gone. Gone. Well, this is the thing. I got married, uh, like, how long ago? Less than a year ago. And since then, you need to remember thank the anniversary. You. you need to remember the anniversary. What was the date, Bill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure you know what it well, is, no, mate. this is the thing, because we had, like, a religious wedding first. Right. So right. we could, like, live together. And then we had the she's white so we had like a like an english wedding you know? yeah not not the full not you could you could, like... you could you could say unseasoned here <laughs> <laughs> but also it's worth putting it out for listeners to the podcast Bilal, Bilal is not white just in case it's not yeah obvious. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah um and, and you like, can say so... that as well because you said she's white you didn't say she's one of the whites which would maybe be a bit more problematic if you were like she's one of the, she's one of them white she is <laughs> very different um since since we got married it's like basically i sort of told her like don't worry 
I get, you know, usually you land some jobs that pay quite well. And I was like, these happen, blah, blah, blah. And then I hadn't for ages. <laughs> <too>. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like nothing was coming off. Um, just now, actually, I managed to get a little acting job, which was nice and, Congrats, and stuff. Man. Thank you. Yeah, that, that was good. Um, but like, yeah, for ages, like nothing was happening. And I've struggled a little bit financially. I think a lot of comedians have lately. Oh, definitely. I definitely yeah. have where like my partner. So I'm uh, expecting uh, in December. Oh. So my first, this, thank you, it's my first baby. And like for a long time, when the idea I was like, there is no way I can support a child on a comedian's wage. And then yeah. I did this and I'm like, you know what? This might be kind of okay. And then it's like having a baby. Now I'm like, I cannot afford to bring a child into this world. What the fuck did I, was I thinking? So yeah, I definitely relate with the the ebb, the fiscal ebb and flow of this mm-hmm. uh, this job that we have. Crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's causing me a lot of kind of panic as well. And then the problem is, is that it puts more pressure on stuff, right? So like now mm. I'm thinking, before it was like this new Edinburgh show I'm going to do. I was like, oh, it'll be fun. I think it's a good story. And now I'm thinking, if I absolutely smash it, then that can lead to a big tour and all of this stuff. And now it, and then that could help financially, you know. And then yeah, it's a whole other thing. It's very, very difficult to create balance Mm. in the world that we're talking about, creative worlds. Um, I had a weird experience this. I've had two two very strange experiences recently. One good, one not good, uh, which may be of interest. One was the fact that I went to see a band on Wednesday night that I haven't seen, right, since I was at uni in America. As Dane knows, I went to Rutgers in, in New Jersey. And... I recorded on my camcorder, like you remember when they used to have little tapes that you go, I recorded the gig. It turns out I didn't realize at the time that it was their first gig, right? Which is a weird thing. Because I, so I went to see them and interviewed them a bit and showed them the, the footage. Mm-hmm. And then I watched the show. Now, this band, they're called Screaming Females. Uh, they are two guys and a girl. And um, I, I, I can tell you that they're not selling out stadiums, right? So you come up, you come with a bit of judgment on that, right? But when I watched them perform, man, it was it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever witnessed because they are so fucking good, and mm. the crowd, two hundred people in Hackney, absolutely fucking love them. Mm. And you know that tour as a band, I know you guys have it hard as comedians touring. But like as a band, when you've got the kit and all the stuff and yeah. I'm sure they're carrying a lot of it. I just thought to myself, God, the purity of their art form as, as a band, three piece band. It, it was just such a beautiful thing to witness. And I and, and to think that I would have come at it, we've been like, hey, are you guys happy with this? Because, you know, maybe you're not selling out the biggest stadiums or whatever. I felt like a fucking idiot thinking that mm-hmm. because the pureness of what they do and the audience they managed to reach. That is still what it comes down to. I know that's not helpful when you're thinking about how, your bills, but it, Dane, it's true, man. Like people love watching you perform, Dane. People below the same, you know? Mm. And that is still, unfortunately, <laughs> has to be the main core of why you do these things, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I am very proud of myself as a as a comedian and all the stuff I do. Like when it comes, well, obviously you get frustrated and jealous of other people and stuff. Like I've had like, Natural, I've had like no TV, you know, I get, I see all of my friends get TV stuff. I did, I filmed a thing for, for the channel Dave mm-hmm. and, um, uh, and they cut me out of it, 
which I think they just booked too many comedians and I was I was good at the gig and everything. But mm. the imposter syndrome that gave me, you know, for like a month. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'm, <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm not good enough. And, that, you know, I'm yeah. a stain. I was a cancer. I was a tumor <laughs> on this project. Uh, I could I could completely yeah. relate, Bilal. I could completely yeah. relate in terms of like, yeah, I, I don't think I've had much. I don't think I've had TV this year myself either. And, yeah. you know, it's such a so relative because if to, for you to say that in a green room with certain comments and be like, you know, what, I've not even been on TV this year. People would be like, what a fucking prick. But it's it's a, from a place of genuine concern. I don't I don't think it's from a place of entitlement. It's that I think every person seeks some form of routine within their uh, occupation. And especially if you get used to like, well, not used to, but you're you TV becomes a natural part of like your creative matrix. It's like, you know, I'll do some stuff. Uh, I'll do live stuff. I'll do my Twitch stuff. I'll do some stuff on TV, but it just allows you to like give a, even a basic forecast of how you're doing for a year. And then when that disappears, you're just like, what the fuck is going on? Is it over? Is it over? Yeah. <laughs> was that the run I had? It was, was that it? <laughs> like, I think it was okay, but uh. yeah, it's mad, but, isn't it? It's, they seem to, um, it seems to be like a group of comedians that get put on every show and yeah. then it kind of rotates a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and there's not even that much. Like there's really not that many opportunities for us. Like, of, no, like really. well, and also you know. it's worth pointing out the evolution of our viewing habits is changing. So mm. kind of sporadically, I think is the key word for how it's changing. Um, that you sometimes have more people watching you than you might get if you're on television, <laughs> if you were on television one night, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, it is worth yeah pointing but, that out. I suppose it's a, I think it's how to monetize it. I That's I think, Bilal, first of all, I think my advice would be because this has always been a natural part of like my complex. So whenever I've had experience and uh, anxiety or I have misgivings about my career, I normally have the same worries. You're not you don't have a real presence right now. You're not the in thing. You're not hot, which makes it harder for you to get work. And then it's almost like you're staring at your own descent in terms of your uh, career and what I'd say, I guess I hope it's a consolation, first of all, is that like you could consider any person you look up to or inspired by creatively and everyone has this period of their career. And mm -hmm. I think obviously you can't necessarily predict it. And I, and sometimes you find it easier because you look at the people that inspire you and you look at your peers and you're like, well, it's only natural that a, a crest is going to follow that trough and you're going to come back up. But you can't see it, obviously. And, uh, you know, you see all these stories of these triumphs over adversity and people finding light at the end of the tunnel. But when you're experiencing, you're like, oh, my God, it's over. It's over now. And then you start thinking, why did I? I didn't need to buy those headphones then. And start. And then yeah. I, start, I start going over my you. Why the fuck did you have to buy another drink that time? That 20 pounds could have gone to petrol in your car. And then I start thinking about all of these, like, you know, flip and purchases I've made. And, I'm, and yeah, you can definitely spiral. One thing that can help is exercise. Never underestimate the power of utilizing this body that whilst it gets knackered, if you give it a chance to push itself physically, you'll be amazed at how much you can do. And then you can sleep like a baby if you've done that. I'm telling you, as a guy who has to do a lot every day, it really fucking helps. Find mm. your thing for that as well. Don't like, oh, I've got to go to the gym like everyone else. No, no, find your thing that works for you. Um, and also be kind to yourself now and again, Bilal. Like mm. if you want to take a couple of hours today just to watch, you know, the Rush Hour trilogy and eat loads of Watsits because that's what you need and then get back on the horse tomorrow or whatever you need to do. Sometimes it's got to be done, mate. 
Yeah, yeah I think I think that's a good point. I, I think uh, that it's it's very. I think it's important to remember as creators, we don't have a very linear or rigid structure. So it's not like you start at nine, you know, your lunch break is between twelve and two, and then you finish at half five or five. Like we are the people, and I've always found that the observation or the or the uh, aesthetic interest in is as people are making their way back from the commute, we're making our way towards like where we're going for a gig because once these people finish working and they want to do something for their recreational activity, that's what we provide as creatives. So when everyone's like, ah, oh, in this summertime, I'm looking forward to going to festivals. I'm like, I got to do 45 minutes on stage at Leeds or Reading. So <laughs> that's the way you got to think about it, is that you're, you're entertain you provide entertainment for people. But just following from what Howard says, if you're tired or feel burned out, yeah, just rest and mm-hmm. take the time away. And it doesn't seem that straightforward because you're like, well, then if I take my foot off the gas, especially at a time where I feel like I'm in a precarious point of my career where I have to go harder because I'm not getting as much. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, the problem is that there's always going to be that treadmill because let's say you do reach a point where you do get a good job and you land a good one, then that's going to lead to maybe more work and more visibility. It's just going to make you have to do a lot more work, which can make you burn out a lot quicker. And it's and it's like the idea that if you're running at 40% all the time, sometimes just, you know what, I'm going to dip down to 10% for like this mm-hmm. next four hours and just sack it. You know what I mean? I can sack the things off before I'm lucky that I can do that sometimes, right? You can get the chance. And then maybe when you feel back up to it, you'll be running at a higher level. Yeah, yeah. I've actually, I've also thought that I've got to change things just like... um I've already I've started going to the gym and stuff so that and it really does help but like like I'm going to do the Edinburgh Fringe now and then after this I'm I don't think I'm going to do a solo show for a while I might yeah. tour this one but I'm not going to do an Edinburgh show for a while I want to do like other stuff like do you ever want to do like I I want to get into like um I'd love to like write and direct a feature film one yeah, day Yeah I think I think that's great I think that's I think the we have, that's the other thing we have to remember is that myself personally mm. I did I got into comedy because I wanted to do something I enjoyed and through uh, a, a lot of luck and some perseverance, I've been able to make this into an occupation. But with any occupation, you need time off. You need time away from it. And especially comedy is one where a large part of our work is us filtering and rationalizing all of our life experiences into this comedy. And that's how we talk about it. That's how we relate to people. But living is what fuels comedy. Like we have to be able to live life in order to opine mm-hmm. on it. So I think it's a great thing because I think like, you know, Hannibal Buress has now gone into music production. So he's now become oh, I see. a I didn't know that. Yeah, hip hop beat producer. Um, and it's from someone who's had, you know, I'd say a very good career. So I think mm. it's a good rate to go into other things. And you see a lot of comics being able to incorporate their additional interests into projects. So like, you know, Sarah Pascoe doing uh, Sewing Bee. So there's definitely something that interests her. Uh, Joe Lysett obviously has a lot of interest in like egalitarian and politics, where if, whether it was like, helping people process parking tickets or mm. using that platform in order to empower the LGBT plus community. And I think these are good things, but what I would say as well is that, yeah, just take some rest. Cause for me, I guess the most sobering experience I had just before the pandemic was uh, Kobe Bryant's death. Mm. And I say that because this is somebody who I would say has hit every milestone, ticked every box so far as what you would consider a success in their respective field. And then due to an unfortunate tragedy, this was taken away in the blink of an eye. Yeah. And I only say that because like, I've never been someone when people go, you've got to live in a moment. I used to be like, okay, mm. hippie, whatever. But it's really because I, I just emphasize to people all the time is that, you know, for whatever, whatever reason, irrespective of your, of your status in society or your occupation, this can be taken away from you. And the important thing is to be able to enjoy these moments as well. Like even the fact that you've been 
you know, blessed to have someone love you in your life and be married. That's mm-hmm. an amazing thing as well. And, you know, through several different machinations, your job is probably giving you the visibility to meet your partner. And so I think it's important to take time to honor that shit and stuff as well. And just take some take some time away and just and just just say fuck it sometimes when you feel burnt out, Bilal. Because I always say to people, like, people will love you and people love you online, but you know, a Twitch stream in your funeral ain't gonna make a difference because you're not gonna be there. So yeah. Well, yeah, well, well said. And uh, a, a really good question. And listeners, have you got any burnout advice? We'd love to hear it. Contact us at DBQE pod. Um yeah. Sorry, I was watching a um a TED talk about burnout, right? And uh, an American lady was doing it. And Americans c- can be a bit dramatic sometimes in a weird way, right? Yeah. And she said, um, she said, uh, she said, when you're burnt out, it's like the inside of you is literally burnt out. She said, it's like she said, do you remember the twin towers? How they looked. Oh, no. Yeah. I know. And I was like, what? It's it's not the best what? reference, but what a weird <laughs> thing to say. Yeah. But I think it, I guess it's the most prominent one for Americans because them have them having to picture something very tragic. They, yeah, you, what you need reference. to do, Bilal, is you need to attack the home country of uh, anyone related to a small or, uh, terrorist organization yeah. uh, that is actually causing you burnout. Um, uh, <laughs> so right. weird, isn't it? <laughs> my, my question this week uh, is different from Bilal's, but Bilal's was a very good question, Dave. That was a good question, right? A helpful question, and helpful uh, question. yeah, wow. and I, I hope as I hope that's provided you with a little bit of solace that you're not the only one below. I go through this shit. I, mm. I definitely worry about my career and I, and I definitely have days when I'm just like, am I going to have to go onto Monster to find a job tomorrow? Is that where we are? Yeah. <laughs> am I back on the job boards? But, you know, I, I think, yeah, you the, the key is, and uh, in terms of therapy I've had as well, is that you have mm. to be able to give the same energy to the highs and the achievements as you do to the lows. Yeah. And understand that there is a cyclical pattern and stuff as well, because it makes the highs a lot more appreciated. Like, for example, when you first told people I want to do comedy for a living and they went, but what the fuck is wrong with you? Are you crazy? Yeah. So <laughs> Look at them. Look at them now. Exactly. Um, uh, um, so my question is, is not that linked to this, what we've just talked about, but that's, that's fine. Um, it, it's kind of based on a conversation I had with last night um, uh, with someone I'm really close to. I'm not going to talk about who it is, but someone I'm really close to, not my wife case yeah, you wonder if it's that uh, and I, I was having this conversation as, as the conversation was developing i thought to myself this is what you're saying is one of the fucking stupidest things i've ever heard <laughs> in my entire life and it really made me think about that person's reality and mm. how it, that reality is not in any way close to the reality that i think a lot of people exist in and it made me think about whether or not the reality we're living through at the moment is so bleak for so many people that would we be better off in The Matrix? Um, <laughs> because if you don't know, listeners, there was a film called The Matrix with Keanu Reeves. It's very good. Mm. And it proposed a scenario in which we all just, all humans are actually in a, in a, in a simulation of a time when humanity was prosperous. And um, we're actually just little... Uh, bodies in goop that power these alien life forms. It's a horrible life. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, I can't think of a worse life really. Mm. Uh, It's happened in a lot of sci-fi films. There's a Bruce Willis film called Surrogates that has an idea of us being in a kind of matrixy world where we're not actually existing. Um, Would you prefer that guys at this stage, given how fucked up things look or, or or do you actually want to live in the real world? 
the Matrix is a really interesting reference, Howard, especially because nowadays you do get a lot, a lot of uh, particularly digital nomenclature and Generation Z uh, terms of phrase mm. are kind of related to people living or thriving within a simulation. And the red, red, and red computer game, pill. and the red pill community as well, uh, frequently referenced uh, the Matrix uh, because it definitely was a uh, massive, uh, had a massive cultural impact. And so nowadays you hear terms from people such as noob, uh, NPC, and what's that one I heard the other day that somebody said? Um, but I would say that, um, yeah, that's, it's definitely, I think it's a more, it's becoming a much more commonly held belief that we're living in a uh, simulation. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I'm not sure. And so that's why when people say it would be better off living in the matrix, I'm like, I'm not sure how, how far off we are. Um, escapism has always been a part of uh, humans beings and their rationalization process. Even like before we had access to like, you know, the metaverse the, in the way we do now, people have always found a, a way to escape or fight or reimagine themselves. Um, whether it's taking uh, substances which can elicit like a dream state or um, like people that do civil war reenactments. Like it's it's clear that people are always trying to entertain uh, other guises of their reality, even if they're somewhat parallel, but just some aspects of it changed. But I think for me, the short answer would be that uh, I don't really think there's any point in us uh, aspiring to remove ourselves in a matrix because a matrix will only be one of our own making, which will be based on our own experiences. So we are responsible for the world we create. Because one of the issues with the Matrix, for anyone who remembers the film, was that they kept trying to make a perfect world, mm-hmm. but everyone's idea of perfection or an ideal world is so nuanced and so uh, different by individual that it kept causing the Matrix to crash. And for me, that's no different to the world. Everyone has an idea of what they're as an ideation of what they think the perfect world would be for them. Um, and so, in order for that to work, it's very clear that we have to be uh, cognizant and uh, considerate of other people's idea of contentment. So yeah. we can think about going into the matrix or we'd be better for in the matrix, but if the matrix is about providing us with an ideal self-image, that's going to cause problems because everybody's idea of an ideal world differs so much. Yeah. I mean, Bill, out, were you a fan of the film? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. The rest, I don't like any of the sequels. And the uh, new one I thought was terrible. Did you see that? I that's that's probably one of the first times I've fallen asleep in the cinema. Oh my god. So it was so it was so disappointing. <laughs> and uh it, the funniest part was that they know it's disappointing. They know yeah. it's bad because there was a part where Keanu Reeves is a gamer or he's a game developer, and there's a part yeah. where the executive for Warner Brothers goes, Well, Warner Brothers are making this film whether you want to be part of it or not. And I feel like that was a real meta for like a, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Excuse the pun. That was kind of a meta reference where people, everybody involved at that table read was like, are you fucking serious? And mm. they were like, they're paying us a lot of money and you're under contract. So you need yeah. to go with this shit is how I kind of felt. It's like very similar to uh, Wesley Snipes with Blade Trinity. Yeah. Where he definitely didn't want to be a part of that shit. And you <laughs> could definitely see it. Yeah. Keanu Reeves is not good in the ne- in the last Matrix. Like he's he's really not trying. He definitely, yeah. He basically he he did it via the Matrix. Like he just plugged himself <laughs> yeah, in and yeah. was like, "This is kind of me, but it's not exactly me." Which is a weird meta way that it was mm-hmm. so bad that it was almost as if everybody else there had plugged into the Matrix to give this performance mm-hmm. rather than yeah, 
But the concept in the original film is fascinating. And and that's one of the reasons the film has sustained and why I bring it up today. Because if you were given the option, like I think, Mm. um, oh, there's one character whose name I can't remember who gets the, he, he, not spoiler, but the film's fucking 25 years old, guys. So, you you know, too late. But like he he cheats on on Keanu's uh, team, right? And goes with the bad guy. Cypher, there you go. And he, um, one point for Dave. Uh, (laughs) He's winning across the 200 episodes. (laughs) Um, But um, he he, he says like, this steak is delicious, but I know it's not real. And I don't give a, I don't care. Yeah. Could you, could you be that guy, Bilal? Well, it depends, like, because <clears throat> if you lived in a in a fake reality, then you're not going to have. I wouldn't have my wife, right? Mm. I would have an imaginary. Well, I'd have a fake person, maybe that I'd be married to, maybe even fake yeah. children. So then, or, or an algorithm uh, of your or your wife based on an algorithm based on exchanges of text messages and pictures. Yeah. That and and basically your your ideation of your wife would. Would be we still argue? Yeah. You know. Yep. I mean, that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Depends if the program would include her to be a contrarian to your own viewpoint. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that... part of it, right? That's important. Yeah. You need to sometimes have an argument and then make up and everything, and that's part of life. Absolutely. I think yeah, it depends yeah. on if she keeps still forgetting to put stuff in the dishwasher. Oh, um, but, um... <laughs> she le- leaves all the lights on, you know. Just turn um... the lights off. And passive aggressively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> algorithm, algorithm, just turn the fucking <laughs> lights off. <laughs> Yeah. Well, oh. would, but would you be happy with all those <laughs> in the darkness without your real wife is the question yeah you yeah know. i think reality is always better right and that's always the message of these films yeah and and that's right isn't it because you get bored yeah. as well wouldn't you if, if everything's yeah. perfect also you know we are largely our, our consciousness is largely subconscious so i think even in the film with uh cypher mm-hmm. when he reveals his motivations for betraying the guys they say, Cypher, they can't put you back. Mm. It's not going to work. And, and I think that's the problem is that when people are presented with their reality, it can be very difficult depending on what your mindset is. And so in his case, he was like, I I, I can't take... Do you know what? Cypher's actually... When you look back, actually, Howard, Cypher mm. is a really good point because Cypher is a cisgender heterosexual white man. Yeah. And he's used to a certain standard of living. And he can't and get we can't get with Keanu Reeves, um, Carrie Ann Moss. Which, Car- yeah, can't get with, Moss, yeah, can't get with Trinity. He wants her, yeah. but he you know. can't get with Trinity. And 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 essentially, when he's presented with a digital reality, mm-hmm. uh, which is egalitarian, because I guess everyone who's from Zion is in the same position, it's too much for him to handle, and he wants to run back to a state whereby he can fool himself into having this hedonistic lifestyle, but. <laughs> Everyone's like, you can't put him back, which is, I think is a very interesting uh, metaphor for a lot of people online today but th- who complain about wokeism. But because remember it. now, yeah, they're yeah. All, everyone's opposed to everything being woke. And Cypher was like, I don't want to be awake. Put me back to sleep. And <laughs> I can definitely see there are a number of people who have coasted through life, been able to uh, sleep, particularly yeah. within a, uh, and, and their exposure to the matrix or the digital sphere where they can reimagine themselves as an avatar, like on Twitter, for example, mm has not boded well for people who had a different idea of what the world was like. And, and this so, is this yeah. is why I thought there was a good question here. Because, great. because interestingly, when The Matrix came out in 1999? 99, I think. Yeah, 99, yes. The world was a very different place. Our lives online were very limited uh, in comparison to what we have now. Just just the phones alone is, 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 is enough, isn't it? When you think about what the phones offer us. But... In that 20, 
which was so funny because I, do you remember the banana phone in that film we were like yeah, 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 that yeah. is the future yeah 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 <laughs> look at that phone yeah. it opens by itself spring oh, action yeah, we are yeah. in space <laughs> we're in space now but you know next year will be 25 years right and you think to yourself you know in that 25 years what's happened the technological advancements are huge but i i would suggest that the state of the world if you actually proposed to some people whether they would like to be the cypher character and whether you said to them look so what we can do is i can fulfill every you stopped them on the street with a clipboard like a charity mugger and said i can offer you a way to fulfill all your dreams and live a happy life mm-hmm. for as long as you possibly want the only problem is i'm gonna have to strip you naked attach ports to your body and put you in this gloop and you'll basically never see anyone you love again in the real world but in your mind you can live in a reality that is really really nice so all your problems are gone i think i think you might get quite a lot of people going yeah Oh, well, that's populism. <laughs> that's, not... exactly how, that's exactly how it works. When you when you consider the narrative of some of the more prominent populist leaders like Donald Trump, that's been a biggest part of their appeal is that they are offering people a return to a state of being where they felt things were simpler. Like, I think it's, it's such it's a really good question, I think, because it's like mm. now, like he will say, like, I'm bringing back coal. And even though we are definitely at a point now where new fossil fuels are definitely not needed. But for a lot of people... Their work, whether it was in the mining industry or, you know, resource exploitation, was a time when they could provide for their families. And so they jump at the idea of going back through it. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who who are so uh, opposed to woke culture, they found themselves being alienated from their friends and family. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to say how, like I said, the cipher definitely represents people wanting to go backwards. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, when you say that, I think, I, I don't know, you, would, you wouldn't even have to be particularly... Uh, graphic about it i think most people nowadays if you offer them the opportunity to return to a state of being where even if nothing else they just look younger people are happy with it i think so much of the world's offerings today are predicated on the fact that people are so fearful of the future mm-hmm. that if they could retreat to or regret or uh escape to a metaverse where they can still live a certain way they jump at the chance yeah. yeah i mean even something is um it's not quite the same point but like uh if you if you imagine you're a comedian in the matrix you would smash every single gig forever <laughs> right like i you know like i did a work in progress in halifax recently completely silent pretty much audience i don't think they'd seen comedy before and then i did uh a, i did a set at like bloomsbury theater the other day like sold out 500 or whatever it is and then obviously you appreciate it so much more right like yeah. i mean even look at like someone like jerry seinfeld or ricky gervais or whoever who can just go on stage now and everyone will laugh at everything you know yeah. like um like that's um i heard uh eddie murphy on a podcast ages ago talking about the reason he stopped doing stand-up uh was because it was too easy like because he got you remember how famous he was yeah um he'd go up on stage and just put like pull any face and people would be dying laughing and then he was like there's no point anymore you know and it it would be like that right yeah definitely and and, and i think i don't know how fulfilling that would be after a while i think Mm. it depends on the person because that's the problem as well nowadays is that i think there are some people who would be happy for that Mm. who aren't necessarily comedians but they would be happy to be on stage like i said populists are happy to be on stage and no matter what they say People go uh, and, and uh, in this kind and of it, like it, cultish and it is, way, and it's mm. because I fear our detachment from reality 
and what really matters is is just growing by the day but um that's not a very cheerful note to end that question on <laughs> but thanks for engaging with it guys and um, that's good Hey, hey, listen, listeners, if you want to live in the Matrix, uh, why don't you get in touch with us on social media? And um, oh, yeah, that is the Matrix. Sorry, I forgot. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Dane, it's time for your question to wrap up what has been a, a very interesting show. Uh, well, I want to continue with the theme. And uh, I, I definitely uh, identify with Bilal talking about, you know, newer creative pursuits, because I think that's very important for you, even if you're in, you start for the job you enjoy, that mm. uh, should it be the entirety of your being. Um. So yeah. my question is to you, Bilal, mm -hmm. uh, if money wasn't and time were not objects, what are five other things you would like to do uh, aside from comedy as activities? Five things. Yeah, if you can think of five things. Let's see if we can get to five. Okay. Let's see if we get to five. Yeah. Uh, well, I mentioned directing mm -hmm. films, I think would be the best. Uh, films are like my favorite thing. I love how, you know, you could create a thing that exists forever and, you know, the I feel like you watch a good film, it can change your life pretty much, you know. Absolutely. Are there examples of films that have been written and or directed, written and directed by somebody that you're like, oh, this looks fucking amazing. I wish I could do that. Yeah. Come to mind. I watched Triangle of Sadness last night. Have you seen that? Yeah, everyone's no, no. talking about it. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's worth watching. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, not, I wouldn't say it's perfect, but it's no, very Some people say the opening period of the film is great. I prefer great. that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's very long, by the way. Very long, it's, uh, maybe over two and a half hours long, but um, that means that yeah. that's not that long to be fair nowadays. That I think Infinity Wars changed it now, so that's yeah, films, films along a ship, and it I, felt I... long. It's yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, there's that, um, yeah, sorry, I just distracted myself, yeah. So, uh, writing and directing, uh, I'd like to do, um, some kind of uh, I'd love to be involved with music somehow, but I'm not musical at all. Mm -hmm. But I would love to get involved in that if I ever could. But I don't. Again, that's I don't think that's ever going to happen because right yeah. now, to be honest, I can't be bothered to learn like guitar or anything. Really. <laughs> like, come on, you know. What if you, what if you become yeah. a manager of a band, or or maybe you could train your vocal cords and become a singer? I would be up for that. Actually, I would like to be able to sing. I don't know what I've, I've even got stand up about it, but I don't know what I'd do with it. But it would be cool to be a good singer. I, I tell yeah. you what, you know, <clears throat> I I know you a little pretty a little bit. Uh, yeah. And I can say this, I nat, don't think naturally your voice is a singer's voice. And that's why I think you should definitely try and do that. I don't, does anyone have a singer's voice? I, I oh? think, I, I think you have a, 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 a very uh, low, yeah, low voice right down mm -hmm. here. So like, I'd love to hear how you brought that to music. It would be, yeah, genius. me too. I would like to, if I, yeah, if I was rich, I'd probably do like singing, a singing course or something. And, I could and really do it. Try. I don't see the voice, but it depends. Like, Loyal Kana has, like, a low voice. Mm. He kind of yeah. rapper and singer and stuff. And mm. he, he oh, yeah, a lot of people style. do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, Howard, you're thinking of musicals, right? Maybe, yeah. Very different to music. What else? It's kind of... That's a good question, because, to be honest, I'm so consumed by work, like... Mm. Also, it is kind of... I don't think it's a bad... I used to think it was a bad thing, but I heard I heard Stephen Fryer, I think, say in an interview that, like, his work is his hobby as well, and I think that's my life very much, like, mm -hmm. creating stuff and making comedy things. I love it, so it's kind of my main thing that I always do. I don't have, really have a lot of hobbies, to be honest. Um, what else? You want to invest um, in a football club, don't you, Bilal? I'm sure. Something around football would be cool. 
I don't know if I think you need to explain to the audience, by the way, because we will oh, yeah, yeah. what what your relationship is with football through Twix, because it, oh, it, okay. is, it is remarkable what you did during lockdown, if I'm not mm. mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was quite lucky. So um, I uh, so if people don't know Twitch, it's a website. It's a bit like YouTube, but it's live. People live stream themselves playing video games. That's just a very popular thing now. Um, very popular. And I wanted to play a football game. So I got a hold of Pez 5, which was my first like proper game I played when I was like 13, I think. Yeah, it had uh, a legendary yeah. game. John, John Terry and Thierry Henry on the cover staring at each other, you know. Um, and there's a thing in that called Master League where you yeah, manage your club and there's these fake players within the game. There's a, there's like these there's this fake squad they've created with players like Castolo, this Brazilian striker, like quite stereotypical yeah. ethnicities, right? Um, and I did that mode, but then I just had the idea that if I'm on screen playing the game, I should be the manager of the club. Yeah. So I just wore top half of a suit. And this is in lockdown. I had, you know, literally, because I don't have, I don't, I didn't have writing jobs or anything. I had nothing going on except live comedy. And that was obviously vanished. And we didn't know when it was Mm. coming back. So I was able to put everything into this. So I used to plan storylines out. Like I had one, as I get to satirize stuff that I don't like about football, like, um, like I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan. I love like Patrick Vieira, but this thing about hard men of football really annoys me. Like, um, It's not good when Vieira got into a fight with someone and got sent off. Like, that's not an admirable no. thing. Or when Roy Keane tried to break someone's leg. That's not legendary. No. Or, when Ryan, <laughs> or when Ryan Shawcross snapped Aaron Ramsey's leg. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, and, and, or was it? Oh, was it Eduardo. Uh, Eduardo, no. that, that random Birmingham player, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, these things, you know, it's not it's not cool. Like, um, and, and so I had a thing where I've got a hard man on, on my football team. And he starts undermining me. So we actually have a fight in the dressing room at half time. <laughs> and I was able to have put some fake blood on my face and have the camera cut back to me and like I've been battered. And then we did a press conference together where we just say we both like fell down some stairs, but we but we really respected each other after battering each other, you know? <laughs> so it was like stuff like that, which was like, <laughs> and it was so good. I'd never done anything like that before. Like I was improvising all of it. I didn't even like improvising. I kind of, to be like blunt, like I thought it was like a posh person's thing to mm-hmm. do improv comedy, but I can do it. Like, you know, I, I yeah. think I'm funny. So like, um, it just opened up all these things. And like, I learned how, like you see my green screen behind me. I learned how to do all these different technical things as well. So it was yeah, really amazing. Um, but you're clearly made for getting involved in a grassroots, in, a, in a grassroots. I'd like to, I mean, I'm not, I was never very good at football, uh, which I hated um maybe something around football would be quite cool i don't really know what but something yeah what about food food? oh that's good people always want to do something in food even if they have no experience whatsoever i'm i got massively into cooking over lockdown um Mm. even like uh, i got into slow cooking which is amazing it's an interesting way to go as well because everybody was going the air fry away i've done that as well more recently and that is excellent is it excellent man it's so good do you know, so you don't have one, right? Not yet, no. Everyone thinks it it's a fryer of some kind, but it's mm. not. It's a mini oven and it works oh. very, very fast. So you stick seasoned potatoes or whatever, stick them in there. They come out amazing. Mm. Like I've been having, because of the cost of living crisis, I've been buying frozen fish from Iceland, which mm. is super cheap, but it's pretty good to be honest. Yeah, yeah. nice to work in Iceland. It's good stuff. 
Yeah, genuinely very good. It's quite, you get stuff on offer as well. I've been making sweet potato mash. Again, sweet potatoes are quite cheap if you don't get the expensive big ones. Mm. Sweet potato mash, very easy to make. Seasoning some fish and having that when I was doing like my health kick. And it's very nice. Like Ooh. it's genuinely very nice food. Um, yeah, I think being into cooking, doing some kind of cookbook type thing. Um, actually, something I'd like to do is, um, have you ever, do you ever watch any YouTube video essays? Yes, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah, they're yeah. they're so good. They're yeah. so good, aren't they? Like they're really, really good. good. Like they're basically little documentaries and some mm -hmm. of them are like hours and hours long. I'd love to do that, get in, make some of those. I mean, maybe I could, but there'd be so much work. Like um, I did a thing on Twitch where I'm not really allowed to do this, but I did like a watch along of this sitcom called United States of Al. Mm -hmm. uh, it's about uh, an Afga Af Afghani uh, interpreter who was who worked with the u.s military who is a cbs sitcom he now for some reason i think he has to escape afghanistan and he uh lives with this american family one of the guys is a soldier that he like that's kind of who he like took care of um and it's really it's so bad right it's like really pro military <laughs> you know uh, and the reason i do it is because i actually auditioned for the lead right mm. so i auditioned for the lead it's quite a really long scene because i thought you know it was horrible but i thought i could be the lead in a cbs sitcom you know um and then i saw on twitter that like this thing was trending this trailer for this show called united states of al and i'd forgotten the name and i saw it and i know i recognized the lines from my audition <laughs> and i was like oh my god so i watched every single episode on twitch with my audience and it's i it's worse. I think it's worse than like the Big Bang Theory. Like it's <laughs> that's a that's a big statement, Bilal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a big statement because it's Sorry. shocking. Like basically, there's an episode because they tried to they're trying to be sensitive around issues. There's an episode where there's a girl, a woman that lives in the house, um, and because she wears like a short skirt, it really upsets him because he's like religious Muslim and it's really lame, right? <laughs> and then towards the end of the show, he's this guy is seeing two women in like an open relationship. It's mad, right? It's oh. absolutely nuts. It's all over the place. And it's really, really not funny. Like uh, a lot, like you can tell where the laughs, you can tell the, some of the laughs are the same as a laugh from a couple of scenes ago. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, and, and you're like, was that a joke kind of thing? So my point is I'd love to do a video essay about like the worst sitcom ever and, literally go through all of it even if it was like a four hour long video essay you know but obviously i don't have time for that but i think i'd like yeah i'd love to get into that kind of thing and making some kind of some i don't know having like a one of those youtube channels that gets millions of views and you get rich off it um yeah i don't know if that's, that's four a, things i think that's five. you've done quite a lot okay we'll give you quite got time lot. for one more have you got time for one more maybe uh an app have you got any app ideas oh god i mean that's probably asking quite a lot isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> we should have gone with four um, yeah no it's all right it's all right i think yeah i don't know like some i, I guess i'd integrate into i'd like to do i quite like when when people do like um uh recipes and stuff on a budget i like that idea and like i'd love to tell more people about like how cheap it is to buy sweet potatoes and make and how easy it is to do good sweet potato mash and stuff as a good like <laughs> carb healthy side and right. those sorts of things <laughs> yeah. so i don't know maybe an app doing that rather than a book yeah well, lots to look forward to from Bilal if, if comedy's not gonna give him the fulfillment he's looking for. Yeah, or if I get if I become a millionaire and have loads of spare time. Yeah, you could, you could always, always come back to it, or, or you know, you might do a Jasper Carrot and stumble on a production company which owns 
the weakest link and who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. So like yeah. you don't have to do comedy it's unless not. you really want to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's good, man. It's it's good that it shows you. I think it's good uh, to consider these things, even if you're fantasizing, because it just means that your brain is still being creative and you're not being. Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think burnout can begin, especially when you have to approach comedy with the sensibility of a job. But the difference is that because you don't have that same kind of structure, it's very hard for you to be able to plot things like annual leave or mm-hmm. like a time off or just taking it or even a sick day sometimes just having a sick day because mm. if you have a sick day as a comic you think well i can't take the day off because no one will cover i don't get covered um, when i'm uh when i'm not working which is why equity is so important so shout out to equity and yeah other, you know other what happened to me I'll, I'll tell you this quickly right um in 2017 when i was doing the fringe because it was the year after i'd had the nomination and everyone was like i can't wait to see what he does next and then none of those reviewers came back right and (laughs) i was you know you know so i was like what am i doing wrong you know all of this and i was so stressed but i was staying out really late as well which was really really stupid i was Mm. at that like at that time what was i like 25 or something and i was Mm. you know i didn't know who i was really and i I thought it was cool to stay out late with all these male comedians uh you know um and I got unwell I got a cold I went to the doctor in Edinburgh and they were like it's just you know just a cold don't worry about it kind of thing but it got worse and worse over the month right I got back to King's Cross Station when I got back to London and I basically couldn't really walk like I was so exhausted my massive suitcase I was like I can't really make it to the to the underground so I got a black cab all the way home very expensive uh went to hospital because I was like I think this is quite bad I went to A&E and I had pneumonia yeah, right bad like though bad yeah. like severe like um yeah, yeah. my my lung was full of fluid Fuck um man. and i had to be in hospital for like seven days uh i was absolutely messed up man really really bad and then i couldn't work for like a couple of months i had to just rest like even going down the stairs i was living with my parents at the time mm-hmm. was like i was knackered it was like i was an old man you know um, yeah so yeah that can happen it can definitely happen uh yeah, especially with pneumonia. Um, but essentially, I mean, they call it pneumonia, but it's really that's burnout and you've overworked yourself. Mm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, good. Well, well, we're glad you're still with us, first of all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was about yeah, to say exactly yeah, that because it's been a great because it's been a great episode, Dave. Love having <laughs> yeah. the loud. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. enjoy. <laughs> That's Thanks, happening. I'm glad well, I'm not, telling, not telling another comedian the legend of Bilal Safar. So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we we appreciate you, Bilal. So keep keep at it, man. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. This has been lovely. No, I'm I'm glad. I hope we've uh, helped. Uh, And I think sometimes it's important just to have that collective commiseration and discussion. And uh, Mm -hmm. my uh, my advice to other comics, if you do listen to the podcast, is that uh, you know comedy could largely be about individuals, but uh, we're all people as well. And uh, even at your lowest ebb, uh, we're all going through the same thing. Which is Mm. one of the fucked up things about comedy is that one of the big payoffs is that we can talk about shitty, shitty points in people's lives when you are at your lowest ebb or at rock bottom. And uh, yeah, talk through that process in a comedic way. So uh, so it's important to have this discussion, Bilal. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Please tell our listeners and viewers where they can find out about your good works and what you're up to at the moment. Yeah, so Twitter, Zafir Cakes, Z-A-F-A-R Cakes, um, the same on Instagram and TikTok and stuff. I put stuff on there. Twitch, of course, is the same name. Uh, come and have a look at that if you've never seen what Twitch is. It's quite fun. There's like a community kind of. It's, it's quite nice. Uh, yeah, I'm doing a brand new show called Imposter about my housemate who went a bit mad, started thinking he works for MI6 and stuff. Um, yeah, I'm constantly doing stuff. I've got my, first, my show that got nominated is called Cakes and that's available for free on YouTube and I've 
my last show called Care is about when I worked in a care home. That's on the Go Faster Stripe. You can get it for a fiver if you're interested. And yeah, that's all the stuff. Yeah, thanks. That's it. Cool. So staying active. Uh, Bilal, thank you very mm-hmm. much for coming on the show. Very much appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste and myself, Howard Cohen. For more from Dane and myself, make sure you follow us on Instagram at DaneSnapTiste and at the Howard Cohen. You can now support us on Patreon. Just search DBQE Podcast and unlock ad-free content and you can watch the full-length video of the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question for Dane, make sure you send us a DM on Instagram at DBQE Podcast and we could feature you in our next episode. Thanks for listening, guys. And remember, question everything. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.